Welcome, guys. Welcome, welcome to the one and only Quota Podcast. We're back. We're Another back. week. Another week. And the week in struggle. Holy shit, what a rough week. Bro, are you into, like, uh, politics by any chance or anything? Yeah. A little bit? A little bit. A little bit. I follow what's going on. Bro, what? Can you tell me about this week in Kofefe, bro? Like, this shit is fucking... It's, I'm not going to say it's that crazy. It's not that crazy. But, like... I've never seen this shit before in my life. In our lifetime, we I mean, seen he's this a celebrity stuff. president, so anything he does, nobody's ever seen. Yeah. So right. we have yeah, a. So he's, yeah. he's like LeBron. He's only beating himself. He's like if a, a well, he is. Well, he's a billionaire, but if a reality star was president, that's oh, what he bro. is. Yeah. I, feel, I mean, sometimes it's like he's like a Netflix show. I only, wonder if that's what's happening. House it's of like cards, the United bro. States, like being recorded. Oh, it's reality <laughs> TV show, bro. House of Cards, you know, like, wishes they could bro, do this shit. I, I they got my girl on that. 97, they were saying it's almost like the Truman Show. Remember the movie with Jim Carrey? Yeah, oh my God, bro. That is terrifying. <laughs> that is terrifying. So, we have a special guest today with yes. us. Uh, Larry, I cannot pronounce your last name. Ciarallo. Ciarallo. Bro, I've been trying all day and it's been like... It's tough, feeling. man. Well, if in Italian, you could say Ciarallo, but, you oh, know, Chirallo. we're in America, so yeah. you guys say Ciarallo. <laughs> so, yeah, man. So, I met you during the Chickpea JC Turns 3. I know you haven't met Hansi, but, uh, you know, we're going to get to know each other now. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, born and raised in New Jersey. Poor um, sweet. Right now, I live in Hoboken. I'm mm. an artist and a designer. That's how you guys met me. You saw all my paintings yes. and stuff. And uh, been doing a lot of murals recently. Oh, in nice. Jersey City, Newark. I just finished a couple recently in Persian Field in the Heights. And I got another one coming up in Hackensack, New Jersey. Nice. And uh, actually, tomorrow, I'm doing some live painting at uh, the Riverview Jazz Festival. In uh, Riverview Park on Palisade Avenue. Nice. So from 12 to 8, 12 to 7, 12 to 8, I'll be out there uh, doing a portrait of an old jazz musician named Thelonious Monk. Nice, bro. Damn. Thelonious Monk. That sounds like like, like the first human ever found. (laughs) (laughs) So um, how did you get into art? Uh, I went to school for graphic design. Okay. Uh, When I was still in high school, I visited a friend of my older brother at college and he was just starting his graphic design program and I saw what he was doing and you know I got really into it because you know he was doing like album covers and Mm -hmm. t-shirt design and stuff like that so it really interests me I went to school for it we had to take um, as part of the degree you had to take fine art classes so Mm -hmm. even though even if you weren't going to be a painter you had to take illustration painting all that kind of stuff and so I actually didn't really start painting seriously till I was basically graduated. And then I just started doing these small portraits for my friends, just giving them to them as like whatever presents and stuff. And then I just kept working and then I got a studio and then I, you know, kept working at it and then started doing murals and, you know, basically where I'm at now, you know, it's not a, one called a full-time job, but you know, it's working its way towards there. Yeah. Nice, bro. Putting in your 10,000 hours. Exactly. Yes. Like, a lot of people don't understand, like, how hard it is to be an artist, right? I mean, a lot of people don't understand how hard it is to follow something that's a passion. Exactly. Seriously. And like you were saying, you got to put in 10,000 hours, you know? Like, I mean, I don't consider myself at the level I need to be at or where I'll You should never be, consider. You should yeah. never. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like, you got to put in the hours. You always got to learn from people that inspire mm-hmm. you and stuff like that. And 
you know, I can even see the progress from two, three years ago or from when I first started. You know, mm-hmm. when I was first starting, it was black and white. Like, real, you could, like, see it. You know, I use stencils a lot. You could, mm-hmm. like, see it. You could see the stencil in my work, and I wasn't using, uh, like, when I would do portraits, there was no skin color. There was no, it wasn't where it is now. Yeah. So it's definitely evolved a lot. I feel you, man. Um, when it comes to, like, your art, right? And I, so you tell me you went to school. What school do you went, you went to? I went to Montclair State University. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. See, so you have a nice ratio over there. What yes. Nice. Yeah. Oh, he knows. really? He knows. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He knows. Bro. <laughs> I, like, I mean, I kind of figured because, like, a lot, I know a lot of girls that go over there. Well, it's New Jersey, you know, yeah. so. It's like any William Patterson. Oh, uh, yeah. Rutgers, Newark, anywhere crazy. you go. Um, so when it comes, so you went to uh, Montclair, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Was it hard for you to, to like, find work when you first started? How did you find work? Uh, well, actually, it was hard because I literally graduated right as the that whole economic collapse or whatever you want to call it happened. Oh, during the recession. During the recession. Like, mm-hmm. literally, I graduated. i never forget this. The, the day of my graduation, the front page of the Bergen Record was worst year to graduate or something like that. It was, what? like, the headline. Yeah. Uh, so initially I did a lot of freelance, but mostly graphic design stuff. Cause that's more of what I knew and I hadn't started painting yet. So yeah. I was doing like book layouts and, you know, stuff that is not really now is not that interesting to me. And then actually I transitioned into video editing. Oh, nice. So I worked for a company and I did, um, like time-lapse video and stuff like that. But the whole time is when I was doing, I was doing art at, I would go to work, come home and then, you know, work on my paintings and stuff like that. So, yeah, when I first got out, it was mostly either freelance work or, you know, the book layout. And then I would do, like, logos mm-hmm. and stuff like that for my friends. And, like, I can <coughs> I, I can draw pretty decently. So mm-hmm. I would do, like, illustrations and, like, poster designs. Yeah. I have a lot of friends who are in bands. So, like, you know, they, it wasn't like it would pay the bills or anything, but they would kick me some dollars to do, like, a yeah. fly or something like yeah. that. Um, I went to a school for graphic design, too, right? Uh, I don't know if you ever heard about it, uh, Anthem. Is right here. It's a little. It's a little, bro. It's a technical school. Trust me. It's a technical I don't recommend lie. it. I, it's a technical <laughs> lie, basically, because I don't recommend it to. I nobody. went there for massage therapy. Trust me. Yeah. Is it like uh, Gibbs? Is it? Kind yeah, of like, yeah. It is it, like it, it is. It was Gibbs. No, it was Chubbs. Chubbs. Oh, sorry. Chubbs. Okay, yeah. I've heard of them. Yeah. So uh, horrible, horrible. Don't recommend it to nobody. <laughs> uh, I went to school for graphic design, like, cause I was always into it. I was always. Uh, since I was like since the age of like eight, I used to I picked up Photoshop and graphic um, and Illustrator. Nice. So I've always been around it. I've always been that's always been like my forte. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing is, is that like uh, I started learning more more other programs. Uh, you know, Premiere Pro, and um, I always dabbled with like Audacity. So I went towards. Uh, uh, the podcast like podcasting is and audacity stuff. like sound mixing and stuff yeah like that? sound mixing okay. so even though they didn't have it like i already knew the program and then i have friends that were musicians so i understand where you're coming from where like the musicians helped you out and um they they kind of helped me out in a way where uh you know i did not know what to do what programs to use so they helped me out that way they um and i know a lot of your friends asked sorry about that Asked you back to zero. I know, man. So we have this thing. I know we're gonna get off on a little tangent, but we have this thing where we don't go. We try not to mess up, and 
there has not been one episode so far where we haven't messed up, bro. And like 90% of them is him. Is, yeah, bro. Like, <laughs> I'm horrible. Dude, just bet it. It's like guaranteed. Like, eh, it's gonna be him. Um, I'm like the worst person in the world, bro. So, when did you realize that you wanted to take this like professionally? Oh, wow. That's a good question. I'd, I'd say when I was doing video editing, I was kind of disenchanted with it a little and like it wasn't fulfilling a creative need let's say and then I feel your when I when I started doing even just the little paintings mm -hmm. it was almost like uh, you know it was very en scratching enjoyable yeah, yeah, yeah it was scratching itch it was almost like therapeutic in a way mm -hmm. and then it gave you opportunities to go to events and meet new people and it gave you it gave me the opportunities that working a nine-to-five didn't give you Oh, right. meeting that, meeting you know like meeting people and doing stuff you know you're not you may you may be in my case I wasn't it wasn't happening for me with the nine to five so mm -hmm. that was really great and then I think I come from a long line like a lot of my grandfather uh, cousins a lot of people are artisans they work with their hands my grandfather was a carpenter my other grandfather was a barber nice. you know I, I have uh upholsterers, uh, suit designers, uh, jewelers, all sorts of people in my family. So oh, your family is like the Illuminati, the same way. <laughs> it's like me too, bro, I swear to God. Same shit. And so, like, you know, it, it kind of fulfilled something, and then it always gave me an outlet from, if I was frustrated at work, I'd just go home and paint, right? So it, it was really, that's where it was. And then I guess when I started to take it professionally was when I got positive feedback, Mm, you know, that's always encouraging. Yeah, yeah, so I would go do like street festivals, like you know, Jersey City has one, Hoboken has one, or I'd go do flea markets and stuff. Mm -hmm. And based on the positive feedback that I was getting from people, I said, Well, I'm just gonna keep doing this, you know. Maybe if I didn't get that positive feedback, I would you know, I would have packed it up and said, yeah. All right, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. But even if people weren't buying it, yeah. they were they would walk by, oh, oh shit, that's really cool, you know, like that's yeah. awesome. You know, did you paint that? Mm -hmm. So I just said, I'm just gonna keep doing it, you know, even if an idea if even if I paint over a canvas six months later mm -hmm. or even if the idea doesn't go well, it's, you know, it's just Excuse keep getting those ideas out and keep uh, you know, like he said, ten thousand hours, you keep working at it and you keep uh, developing your ideas and what you're trying to say with your artwork. Word, man. Uh how does that work with like Jersey City murals and like North yeah. Bergen? I was always curious. Like who contacts you? Like, <clears throat> so actually, I can't. I don't know about North Bergen. I can speak to Newark and Jersey City. They get grants from the state government, and then they have. Um, there's people that work for the mayor in uh, Jersey City. There's a woman named Brooke Hansen and uh, Menachi. They work for Steve Fulop, yeah. and then there was a gentleman named Keith Hamilton who worked for Mayor Baraka. And you submit your ideas to them, and then that's kind of like their introduction. They'll like, bring. Is it like a rough draft, or is it just like a written idea? It's, it could be a rough draft. You could even just send them your portfolio. If you're an interested artist, you could just send them your portfolio. Even if you never, like, I had never done a mural before. Like, oh, nice. I, my awesome. first one was in South Orange before Jersey City, okay. but I had never done anything before. So you could even send them your just like your paintings, and then they work with uh, community groups or a building owner. And then they show them your work, and then they have. Sometimes they have their own ideas. For instance, the ones in Pershing Field, the, the park group had certain ideas that they sent me, mm -hmm. like a rough, like pictures of kind of what they wanted, and then I adapted it, mm -hmm. my style into the the canvas, you know, the dugout. So yeah, they have people that work for them. They get grants from the state, 
and they give you, uh, in Jersey City's case, they, they even supply your paint. Oh, nice. Newark doesn't. Uh, you know, they sometimes they give you a little bit more money because they're not supplying you yeah. your paint, but then you have to, you know, buy your own stuff and do that. You know, dodge a few bullets. Also too, do they do they pay you guys for it? Yeah, they pay us. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, they both they, they pay us because they're getting grants. From, yeah, exactly. So in Jersey, I can't speak for Newark. I don't know where their grants come from. In Jersey City's case, it's something like a um, a green energy or a community grant that they get that it's basically so to an anti-graffiti type of thing yeah which i approve of like that is the best idea of anti-graffiti yeah let them mural and another good aspect of it too is that a lot of kids that get in trouble younger now do it positively yeah well they they show to do it positively and actually uh some of the kids instead of getting i don't know i wouldn't say jail time but instead of getting like a charge yeah they do community service and they'll eat like some of the kids i think assist in painting the murals with some cases and then sometimes they'll uh prime the walls for you and stuff i know that a couple of them the kid who primed the walls for me he was doing community service instead of getting you know deeper Mm, trouble that's a great way of having like a bond ship and getting even though they're not there they're not there in like the most best way or the most positive way that's kind of like introducing those kids to actual artists that can help them out later in the future that's kind of a good idea from both sides or, or, or and it's good to for them to see that you can actually do this professionally and that's yeah like you're saying that's one of the things they want to see because they want to show some kids that I mean even if you piece like right even if you're a writer yeah. you don't have to I mean I know a big aspect of that I'm not a writer I know a big aspect of it is doing it you know illegally yeah. not sanctioned but they want to show the kids like you were saying that you don't have to just scribble your name or whatever they want to do. You don't yeah. have to do it that way. There is a way if you want to artistically express yourself to do it in a way legally it's not going to get you in trouble. Not saying that, you know, some artists, they want to do that. That's, yeah, they want to scene. stay in the shadow. Yeah, yeah that, that is that's, a scene. That's yeah. a scene. So I'm not saying, I'm not knocking that or anything or, or commenting on that because I'm not part of that. But, you know, for some kids, they want to show them that you don't have to do it this way. There's an avenue for you to do it and become a professional artist in that way if you want to now you said your first professional uh, mural was in South Orange yeah there was actually um, a a developer uh, he was building a condo right by the South Orange Performing Arts Center oh nice and uh, I think as part of his the deal with the town he had to invest in public artwork Mm -hmm. so he commissioned 11 artists to do murals they were initially going to be directly on the train, um, I don't know, like wall. Yeah. Like the station's elevated. Yeah. So there's like a wall. And then they ended up having to do it. We He bought cam- like these large canvases. Mine's 11 feet by 25 feet. And then they attached them to the wall. Nice. Is, it, it, is it still there? Yeah, I think it's still there. Uh, the address, I can't, I don't remember offhand, but if you go to downtown South Orange, right by the Performing Arts Center and the Bowtie Cinema, it's across, it's called... Um, you know, I can't, the name escapes me now. I can't no remember worries. what it's called. But, uh, yeah, it's right there on South Orange Ave. And uh, I actually did, it was for, it's a portrait of four musicians that played in the Performing Arts Center. And they're oh, also, that, that have been there? Yeah, that had oh, okay. played in the Performing Arts Center. And they also uh, lived or were, like, most of them had lived or were born in New Jersey. That's awesome. That's really dope. Man, there's a lot of arts, artsy people that come out of New Jersey. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, like, um, like where my friend has his um corner store at, it's cool in the gang way. Yeah. Oh, one of the murals I did on Bergen Ave, uh, there's a, it's a portrait of Richie Havens and then a guy named Stan, 
who has Stan Square Records, which is on Bergen Ave. And then we wanted to honor local musicians. So there's a bunch, there's all these stars next to it. And we wrote artists' names that are all from, and Cool in the Gang was one of them. Is I'll Be Out There. We didn't put it on there, but what we wanted to do, we haven't, I didn't really announce this yet, but we left room for more stars to be oh, added. To add more people as it comes. As they come, awesome. Yeah, because there's, and the idea came from, there's a number of music venues. I know specifically there's one in Nashville where they have stars outside painted of all the artists that played there. So we kind of took that idea, and I think there's like 15 names up there, like uh, Joe Budden, Christina Million, Cool and the Gang, and like some of these doo-wop groups that uh, mm-hmm. the, the guy I big doo-wop groups yeah. yeah there's a lot of doo-wop groups and then like <coughs> some other people that are Al Miola, people that were like born in Jersey City but we left room because we want you got Frank there? Frank Sinatra uh, oh, yeah. he has to yeah yeah Frank's there and we want we wanted more you know because like future artists like you were saying Al I've heard of that I never heard his music I've heard it's a couple Frank. of his songs but yeah. I know he's really popular and he's from Jersey City. Born and raised. Born and raised. He's yeah. like he is like the bully of Jersey City. He is like the guy that you are afraid of, but kind of want on your side. If ever if there's ever a situation, he's like I've never met the guy, but you know he does represent a side of Jersey City that I grew up in. So it's like I'm not gonna say he's like. He's not. He's like the best hometown anti-hero we have. Yeah, that's what he is. He's like an anti-hero. That, you know what? Now that I remember, I saw him. He was uh, freestyling on Hot 97 with Funkmaster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's when I saw him. And that's when that's when I realized. And I he always, I guess I've seen stuff on Instagram. And I always see him putting on for Jersey City. So. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, so before you were doing murals professionally, I don't know if we could speak about this or not, but did you do any pieces beforehand? No, no, I was never, I was never like a graffiti like writer. A tagger. Or no, okay, I was so never from that. art to yeah. murals. I mean, I used to like put up stickers. Yeah, I had I had these stickers that I would just put up. I'd walk around New York City, but then um, I wouldn't consider myself like an underground artist tagger. or a graf- yeah. tagger or anything like that. I mean, I'm definitely inspired by their work. I have a lot of respect. There's yeah. so many talented uh, graffiti writers, taggers, whatever, but. I was never like that. Listen, there's a difference between being a graffiti artist and a tagger. I, w- I did tagging. This Now listen to the FBI, <laughs> CIA, police, local law enforcement. This is when I was 16. Guys, this was years ago. So I was like a tagger. And I don't consider them like the artist. Because you're, you're, yes, you can scribble your name very nicely. Everyone can no, but I there's can't. a difference there's a difference when you're putting when you're doing like <laughs> I, I see that as like good. petty <laughs> art though like small art no like, but that's but, but it's, it's all, all a perception it is all one of the same though because a lot of writers that piece mm-hmm. I don't know the technical but there's like you know there's tags they tag their name mm-hmm. then they do like a full piece yes. and then there's like burners right I don't yeah. know the whole I don't know for the, the most part the thing about the tag is that it's it's usually in places that are mad hard to get, so that's why you can only like. And then the, you know what I mean? It's not yeah, like yeah. a place where you could have a. You're gonna be able to sit down. Oh, no, and, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like it's yeah. just on the fly. Go. Who I was here. Bam, and with go. graffiti, like graffiti artists are so fucking picky. Like, bro, they uh, there's these things called toys, right? Toys are like the little version, like kid graffiti almost like if you do it a certain way if your lettering is too bubbly they call it toy graffiti and that's like the most that's like uh you're shaming them almost that's like within their own community that's what they call 
the apprentice or the ones who who their pieces are yeah, in a your style is whack you're a toy you're a toy yeah. and that's so fucked up bro that's so fucked up because isn't isn't art subjective well i guess i mean you know that that's that's for them to decide i guess I don't know. <laughs> that's their rules and i guess uh, going back the reason why i stopped stickering or doing any of that stuff yeah. was i had a close call in the city one time oh yeah i was on uh i was <coughs> in the university <coughs> Uh, right by Union Square mm-hmm. and I had been doing they must have been following me for a few blocks because I used to like get the sticker ready and I have it on my hands and I just slap it on something mm-hmm. and I'm walking to meet my friends and I hear from behind me hey can we talk to you for a second oh and I God. knew <laughs> but I didn't run yeah. and I turned around and I had like a wad of stickers in my pocket and then one already on my hand and you know they want you to say something stupid right they had me against a car with the engine running with my hands on there insulting me you know like saying like how old are you it'd be mm. pretty stupid if you went to jail for putting stickers up like you have a job all this stuff did not know that was that illegal oh yeah yeah because it yeah. it, it's the same thing as writing your yeah, name or and depending on what you put it on like on a mailbox lord jesus okay. yeah i was putting it on like you know like phone booths and those bus subway ads and like the bus station yeah stops. where all the stickers are yeah i tried to always do that where the other stickers were so i yeah. wasn't putting it on someone's private property or something like that exactly i think mostly you know they just well actually i remember this too about it it was right around the time of occupy wall street and oh, that's what they were asking me yeah. they were like are you with that occupy wall street stuff and i was like no i have nothing to do with that yeah. and they were basically begging me to you know, say something stupid to them. Yeah, they were baiting you. They were, they were baiting me. They wanted me to say something stupid. And I undoubtedly, because I was white, they probably let me go. I mean, they yeah. let, let me go. I'm sure yeah. it was the fact that I was white played something to do with it. Yeah. If I was like a younger black kid, it's possible that hey, bro, I would have went into bookings. I don't know. I'm just speculating. Dep- it, it, yeah. it all depends on where you are at yeah. and who is pulling you over. And how they're feeling. Yeah, yeah, to be honest. So many true. variables. Is it? I'll never forget, too. They took my stickers, and the yeah. cops littered. They took them and threw them down the sewer, too. <laughs> like, we're throwing these away, and they're like, they took my name. They're like, if we ever see these again, you know, we know where you live and all this stuff. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to do this too much anymore. Seriously. I mean, after that, I mean, I'd, be, I'd be a little shook, too, to be honest. Uh, when, was, when did you first sell your first painting? Um, and can you remember your first the first person you sold it to? Um, oh, man. And what was what was the first painting? Better, but like, what the, was the first painting you sold? Like, what was... Oh, the first painting I sold, let me... Th- it was a, definitely a portrait, and I think it was... Uh, I did two portraits. Um, there was one of, uh, like, Queen Elizabeth, because I had been in a show, and it was, in, like, in a hair salon, mm-hmm. and the guy had, like, mentioned, like, oh, you know what might sell... Now, I didn't end up selling it at the hair salon. I ended up selling it later. But I think it was that one. And then it was a portrait of, um, you know, the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with Jack Nicholson? Yeah. That, like, famous shot where he's kind of looking up and he has the wool hat on. It's on the cover of, like, the re- the reissue of the book. But okay. anyway, it's like a kind of an iconic <coughs> shot. And so, yeah, I think those were the first two I sold. Oh, nice. And that was probably around 2010. Okay, so it was recent. Yeah, it was very recently. Like, yeah. I graduated in 2009, and then, like I said, I really didn't start painting till like, right around then. That summer, yeah. I started to paint, sort of. So, like, I didn't really sell anything till like, 2010. Um, now, were your parents supportive of your dreams of wanting to be, like, in, like an artist and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, my first studio, um, I was lucky enough, in my dad's house, I lived in the basement room. I had, like, it was a pretty large area, and then... Um, 
since I went to my, I went to school for two years in New Hampshire, but then I transferred back home. And so I just started painting in my room, basically. Like I had my computer and then I set up an easel next to my bed and like I had enough room to work there. And yeah, they were definitely supportive. You know, I used to get paint on the carpet all the time and my dad was just like, whatever, you know, like once you move out, I'm going to tear it up anyway. So it doesn't That's matter. a cool parent. <laughs> yeah. I'm letting you know now, Hispanic awesome. parents are yeah, not that what? cool, bro. My mom is a graphic, um, a fashion designer. My my aunt, are uh, a graphic designer, and one of my other aunts, uh, used to, uh, be an animator. And still, with all that artistic support, let me get paint on that carpet, and I will see that shit don't fly sit at all. Now, in in, in this case though, I think it's like. <coughs> This, I had moved to that room when I was like 14 or so because my parents were divorced, so I moved in with my dad when I just started high school. And I think it was like remnants, yeah. so it wasn't anything like too nice. And it was the basement. Like no one went in there basically besides me and my, my friends. But yeah, he didn't he didn't care. He was really supportive. I think he was, he was happy too because like I would come home from work mm-hmm. and I'd either like, you know, I'd go to the gym or whatever and then I'd come home and I'd paint. Yeah. And like aside from maybe like the weekends and stuff, like, I wasn't just sitting around yeah. or like, you know, just drinking and smoking all the time. It's a great way to be productive. Yeah. So he, I think like he saw it as like, well, at least he's not like going to the bar or wasting his money. Playing video games. Play, exactly. Yeah. Like basically like once I graduated, even maybe before and like once I started painting, like the last place, the last video game system I had was PlayStation and I like really haven't played video games since then. Like okay, maybe yeah. like once, twice when I've been at a friend's house. Yeah. So like, I think like you're saying, he was happy I wasn't just wasting my time, you know, like even though I wasn't like you know making these amazing paintings that yeah. were selling for a lot of money, he saw he saw that you were building towards yeah. exactly. You know what's funny? It's cool that you learned that uh, early early at that age. Cause uh, for me, bro, I did not learn that until last year, maybe. Yeah, last year. That's when I started taking life seriously. Like that's why. But that's why I started like picking up on the podcasting and and going with this route because of the fact that it's like, you know. I was lost and didn't listen to my parents and like yeah. and even though my mom supported me like with uh my dreams I was always slacking. So I I can I'm I can understand how your parents can support you and like that's pretty cool that your parents have that backing and like that love support and like trusted you to to do the right thing. Yeah. So it was cool. There were a couple times where like you know my dad would say like I don't know maybe you know maybe something else like you know kind of like uh constructive criticism or yeah. whatever you want to call it but you know he was most my, my and my mom too she was definitely really supportive you know mm-hmm. she would see my paintings oh this is beautiful i love this you know keep doing it she would come they would come to all the art fairs and support me so do they still come now yeah they still come now i mean you know i take them around to show my murals and like you know yeah, they're so mom, happy i was even talking to my mom this morning and uh or this afternoon and she was talking about my last mural and she was like you know raving about it and like yeah. I mean I could probably paint something terrible and she'd still yeah. say it's nice before <laughs> yeah. but still. listen it's something nice where you can show your mom listen this is yeah. the city I live in it. that's why painting yeah right no there. she loved it I took her um, in the summertime I took her to about three or four of them and she was just like ecstatic so Word. they love coming to see them and everything now before you got to this point um, did you ever want to like give up like did you ever be like yo man fuck this shit <coughs> Yeah, I think I think a lot of people face that because, like, and you know, how, how did you overcome it? That's the that's the important part. Well, I just I kind of looked at it like you were saying the ten thousand hours thing and like thinking of artists and people I knew were like musicians I know. Like my brother is a drummer 
and he's been in a band since band since he was like 14 years old, right? And older brother, yeah, older brother, and he's now stopped. Uh, but his two friends that he was in bands with, they still play, and it's not like you know they're not famous or anything, but yeah. they still do it for the love of it. Yeah. And like they're super talented, the, the guitarist in their band, he's amazing, and like he still goes. So I kind of think of people like that. I'm like, well, you know, you don't have to necessarily be famous if this yeah. doesn't I, turn into something. I tell people that a lot. Sometimes you just have to do it for you. Yeah, you just have you to do it for you because like yeah, for them it's fun, right? Like. They go play a show and they get a couple hundred dollars, but they're still playing music. They hang out. They love playing guitars. They go guitar. They go see a show and they do that. So it's kind of like, you know, they were like, I do an art fair. I do something and like I didn't sell a painting. Right. And like, you know, people, people would always say, oh, that's so great. That's so great. And I get discouraged because I was like, yeah, but, you know, I can't live on compliments. Or I, can't, <laughs> I can't pay my landlord on compliments. Yeah, word. So I would get discouraged, like you were saying. And there were times where I was like, you know like I wouldn't paint or something or I just would put it off for a minute and then something would happen where I'd say like, you know, I'm going to keep at this and, you know, keep pr- pushing forward. Okay, man. Um, I know we gotten so late into this podcast that I haven't even brought up what type of art do you do? Do you, could you, uh, what would you classify it under? Well, I, sometimes I classify it as pop art and then like, there's that there's like because it's kind of like i do two things right yeah. like if you go on my website i have my portraits yeah. which is some of them are like pop art but some of them are more like because like i'd paint historical figures yeah. or like someone that's like not americana icon yeah like uh like i've painted walt whitman who's like a poet from like the 1800s mm-hmm. and like i've painted uh this woman jane jacobs who nice. was a uh, author she wrote like this book in the 60s that's all about urban planning and she also started a grassroots movement in the 60s that stopped um, this man, this expressway from being built in lower Manhattan. So, like, I do portraits that are pop art where, like, I've done John Lennon and Jay-Z mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Dave Chappelle and Michael Jordan yeah. and, like, musicians like James Brown. And then I've done, like, more social, I guess you would say. But then I also have my, like, abstract works yeah. where it's, like collaged images together with uh like like some illustrations that i do and they're more they're definitely more like abstract works which one is your preference i kind of like switching off between them um i definitely like the portraits but they're definitely um i wouldn't say more constrained but you want the port the portrait has to look like the person Right. Whereas when you're doing the abstract, abstract work, exactly, it's, just, it's, really, it's almost like I start with no idea. Sometimes I have like a vague idea, yeah. but I kind of am just like working and then like doing something else and, you know, working on it as it goes. It kind yeah. of freeform. I really like um, I was checking out your Instagram earlier. I really like how you did your chair. Yeah, uh, that shit was dope. Because well. it's like it has a bit of a pop pop and then yeah. it has your your um abstract it's like a mix of both yeah that's like a new idea that i came up with actually from the book that i read about him um this woman atricia ziff i think was her name i bought this book years ago and it was she was in one chapter she talks about the commercialization of che guevara's image mm-hmm. that famous photo mm-hmm. whereas like people that don't know about like the whole because there's two sides to everybody right mm-hmm. no one's black and white there's it's all, your shades of gray so but Che Guevara's image also often gets associated with like I don't know when you're in college you see it like people wearing the Che Guevara Bro, t-shirt everybody sees him as a revolutionary yeah, yeah or a revolutionary or like somehow 
like anti like government anti government or, or like establishment yeah or like a li- like not liberal but yeah you usually see people like liberal arts college students wearing it yes. or whatever you know like I knew kids and when I first read about them I didn't I didn't know but then when you hear history I've met Cuban Americans they tell me about their grandfather's experiences mm-hmm. there so the idea came that there's a lot of figures in history uh, you know. Uh, Jesus Christ. You could use like religious figures, right? You could yeah. use anything, um, and it was kind of to address that something's been commercialized to represent one thing, right? Uh, he's rep- he represents something, uh, you know. Ronald it's Reagan, like re- one image for that one cause. Yeah. That's what, mm-hmm. So it's like so. I wanted to kind of address that, you know, like, and uh, the reason why most of them are gonna be faceless because I want to. Um, oh, that's dope. Um, pick people where you recognize the image even without seeing the person's yeah. face. So I even, uh, like, you know, like I've already done Gandhi, but you could do Gandhi. You could do a whole bunch of people where they're associated with one thing, but that's that's not the full uh, story of the person, right? Yeah. You know who somebody should paint? Cool. The dude that discovered polio. Oh, uh, there, what was it? I think it was a man and a woman. Or You mean he, the cure for it? Yeah. Was it Marie Curie and uh, her husband? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We could look this up. I think I, I think it was like a couple or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it was a man and a woman. They right? need to that that right. That's love. Yeah, that's love. Yeah. They loved everybody enough yeah. that they came up with that. <laughs> Polio, guys. Yes, it is, my friends. Yes, it is. See, shout out to her. See, I've I was always taught it was the man. Well, you know. That's what you happens. see, that's crazy. I was always taught it was like uh, they always highlighted the man. They teach us a lot of things in school, right? Mm-hmm. Christopher oh, yeah. Columbus discovered America. Oh, bro, yeah. <laughs> we're Dominican. We know the history, bro. Oh, okay, you guys. So know. we really is Hispaniola Dominican DR. Republic. Is it yeah, Dominican oh, okay. Republic before okay. it was split, bro. I read a book. Um, it was like the United States history of America. Howard Zinn. Yes. Oh my I gotta god. I read that. I've, I've bro, it's really good. Whoo, the first chapter is all about DR. And dear God, did it get me furious, bro. Like, you know, I was working one day and somebody was like, listen, you need to read this book. This book is great. And I read it a couple pages in and I'm like, oh, my God, what? Why is everybody telling me that Christopher Columbus is this 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 saint, this patron saint? And then even when I found out uh, that he wasn't as good as he was, right? When I read that book and I found That's out that the shit, book, right? bro, he killed millions, bro, millions. And then not only that, just the amount of like slave trade, all for gold that wasn't and there, rape and stuff gold like, bro, that, that wasn't gold. there. That that was the- his <coughs> his uh, expedition that you were about to say started the transatlantic slave trade. Yeah, man, it's you know it's disgusting. Yeah, uh, your art has a lot of like revolutionary figures right uh is that something that you see in yourself do you see something maybe not as a revolutionary but do you like speaking about that and speaking about injustice yeah i definitely um have a good uh, strong affinity for speaking out in um you know bringing up figures that talk about injustice whether they be a musician like uh, joe strummer from the clash or even a uh, john lennon who talked about it to nice. like the figure i brought up jane jacobs or uh gandhi or Martin Luther King, I painted Malcolm X and Medgar Evers. Um, Medgar Evers was a leader of the NAACP in Mississippi. And he, was, yeah, he was murdered nice. in his driveway, and the killer got away for basically his entire life because 
Mississippi is racist. Oh, dear God. So never uh, I'll never get caught in that. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely uh, I definitely paint people about that. Um, I, you know, I would I would use the word activist, I guess. Yeah. You know, I'm involved with a nonprofit in oh Brooklyn. Oh my God, you're an SJW. Oh I'm not a social justice. No, I don't want to. I know. I'm just messing with you, bro. No, but I I completely get the activism. I don't like nowadays is like the internet paints that shit as wrong. Uh, I don't understand why because it's just doing the right thing. Yeah. Uh, that's why uh, I, I, I go against the whole social justice warrior thing because I don't... Not in the sense that I am against them. I just am against people getting called that because yeah. there's no reason for it. Yeah, there's no reason. And also, you know, some people are only social justice warriors on social media oh yeah exactly. retweet warriors those are the yeah. retweet yeah, keyboard yeah. I was gonna say keyboard but I like yours better yeah that's why uh, um, this nonprofit that I assist sometimes and uh, donate time and work with in Brooklyn is great because it kind of gives me an outlet to go beyond just talking about the yeah. issues exactly. that are affecting us I get involved with it they're called Young New Yorkers and what they do started by a woman named Rachel Barnard and they um, New York City is one of, if I don't know if North Carolina changed the law, but North Carolina and New York State were one of two states that charged 16 and 17 year olds as adults. So what she wanted to do was she wanted to help those kids. And she started this program. It started as a graduate project, I believe. And she started this program where we work directly with district attorneys, judges, lawyers, uh, public defenders to and we incorporate art into the program. Kids complete either one day, four week or eight week programs. And at the end of it, most of the kids have, well, 100% of them have their, uh, it's sealed, they get no criminal charges for them. So some of the kids do something as innocent as hopping the turnstile, Mm -hmm. theft of services is what they call it, uh, legally. And then some of them do other things that are, you know. A little more serious. A little more serious, Mm -hmm. right? But instead of, now it's expanded to uh, to from sixteen to twenty five year olds because oh, nice. a lot of research proves that uh, your prefrontal cortex, which yeah. I guess tells you right and wrong, I'm not a it's doctor, not, so yeah. don't, so don't quote me yeah. on it. Yeah, it doesn't develop until your mid twenties. So yeah. she was able so to ex- expand the program, but initially it was instead of giving a sixteen year old a criminal record, his first strike for hopping the turnstile, or even doing something like. Uh, like petty theft, something yeah. like that. Maybe caught smoking a little weed. Yeah, caught yeah. caught smoking weed. And a lot of times, you know, these the, the kids that she deals with are in Brooklyn and they're in neighborhoods where, you know, the cops are targeting them mm-hmm. and to a degree, right? We don't want to paint every cop. Is, is that, yeah, no, not but at all. Some of them are, you know. I've, been, I've had the privilege to sit in on some of the one-day classes and the stories the kids tell you of their situation will shock you sometimes. The yeah. way they're treated by a police officer, the way officers try to bring uh you know charges against them but anyway Mm -hmm. you know instead of having a kid have a record or his first strike and then his second strike for all these minor things you bring them in they do the program and then at the end they do they usually do an art project a lot of the time we call them um aspirational self-portraits we take photographs of them uh and then they make a collage with animals like there's lions whatever kind of animal to tell a story about themselves a lot of times we have eagles or certain birds they talk about you know taking flight or following their dreams and you know there's other aspects of the program we there's a lot of in the one day classes that's the ones i've been and i can speak to there's a lot of talking about the how what they went through and um 
how they feel about like what they went through and what what their dreams are what they want to do and you know kind of giving them the uh the tools to go forward not going to say tools but you know yeah. kind of like showing them that you know they're not bad people because they committed something some something right. at like 16 or 17 years old see one thing about art that um why it's so connecting because if you put it takes a lot for somebody to put something on a canvas or even like to record a song record a podcast or whatever and then mm-hmm. to show it for people and for to receive judgment so the fact that those kids are doing that within a you know Oh yeah, an environment, you know, and they're with their peers yeah, too. Exactly, that helps. So it helps yeah. create different kind of dialogue, you know. Because in the hood, man, it's not really like <coughs> artsy people get made fun of. You know what I mean? If you're the type the of person, time. if you like, we there's conversations that with my friends that I probably have never had. Like I've seen movies, and I'm like, what guys talk about that? Like me and my friends would never. You know what I mean? But it's yeah, it's little things like that. So it's good that they have that outlet, you know. Yeah, that definitely. emotional outlet. You know? And you see it in the class because uh, the one day classes are about three three to four hours right and at first a lot of some of the kids aren't but some of them are a little bit more reserved more standoffish more standoffish uh at first they think we're like part of law enforcement so they don't want to say anything and then when they you know and then we you know we tell them that everything here is confidential none of none of the people in the classes are law enforcement that's cool so it's like there's nothing you know at first like i'm not saying anything they think like it's gonna be held against them Mm -hmm. but it's not so they're like in court or something but you see them opening up and by the end of the class sometimes you know they want it. They want it to keep going. They want to keep talking and stuff. So it's really great. No man, that's cool. Um, you you do a lot of extra help towards these communities. Did you ever do something? We. I'm sorry, I'm a little sick. But um, did you do anything when you were younger to, you know, help out these these kids? Did you do getting get into any trouble that? Is, that makes you want to do like did you get in trouble yourself in yes. your past that you that's why you're like yo shit yes. let me talk to these little knuckleheads so I could yeah what did you do what I you did for? I mean well, see I grew up in the suburbs so it's different yeah. right when you get in trouble there most of the times they they just you know they give you a little slap on the wrist or whatever you know there's a couple cops where I grew up where like you know they were really wanting to bust kids but you know like we would do stupid we would do stupid shit like um I don't know, we'd be skateboarding or we'd be smoking weed or we'd be doing something where, you know, we'd get in a little bit of trouble. I mean, w- one story that always sticks out that I, when I first got involved with the Young Yorkers, I always thought about because I was like, if I wasn't, if we weren't white kids and some of my friends were from a town over that was even more affluent, like, you know, I'm not saying that I was poor or anything. We were middle yeah. class, but my friends that I went to high school with, their dads were millionaires. So they were even wealthier than we were. So if we weren't kids in that neighborhood, we would got in trouble. But anyway, one night we were at a party, and my friend lived on a house that was off the driving range of a golf course, and we were on a house that was right on it. Long story short, we were walking home. We took some of the golf carts out for a spin late at night. Next day we got in trouble. Luckily it didn't cause too much damage, but had to pay like a fine and had to do what they called um, period of adjustment, which was nothing. Yeah. Basically, we went to court. We paid the fine, and we were technically not supposed to get in trouble or anything. But there yeah. was no like checking in on yeah, you. There was nothing. No probation. Not probation nothing. Yeah. But that's always what I think about. Like when I first found yeah. out about Young New Yorkers and I heard about it, I was like, "Well, I can see it. You know, you're 16. You do something really stupid." Now, in my case, I was lucky, where we were from, and all those sorts of things that yeah, we didn't get in more trouble. It's rough. Yeah. Uh, so these kids face a, a different situation. So I always felt like. 
what little I could do to help. Because at first I didn't do the classes. I was just volunteering at their um, yeah. their art auction. They have an art. We have an art auction every year. Oh, nice. So that's how I started it. And then I just, you know, I just really got into it because I was like, this is something that can help. Is out. there a way I can join? Um, well, you can go to youngnewyorkers.org. You can get more information. The We had the art auction in May, so okay. we, won't have, we only do it once a year. But um, they are always looking for volunteers because they do have, yeah. like, um, the end of, like, when the eight-week program ends, yeah. they have an exhibition for the students. Okay. For the kids. Sometimes we need volunteers there. We do mostly need it, like, next spring we'll have an art auction again. And then we're always looking for volunteers Bro, there. hit me up. I'm yeah. down for that. Yeah. Uh, because of the fact that, I'm going to say this for the first time in the podcast, so, you know, shout-outs to you guys. And since you're bringing up your record, I'm going to bring up mine. <laughs> uh, when I was 18, this is 18, like, this is as an adult, uh, I did petty theft, tr- hanging out with the wrong, or, like, trying to impress the wrong friends. I'm not going to say they influenced me. Right, because they didn't. It was trying to impress them. Mm-hmm. Uh, petty theft. Uh, we stole like a we stole a video game on a game release night during midnight, bro. It's the stupidest thing, bro. Just imagine going to jail and then everybody asking what you what you're in for, and you say stealing a video game, bro. Do you know how stupid I looked? But like, I wish I had somebody that I could speak to like that. So like, maybe maybe going, and then I had to then. I was supposed to get my record uh, cleared for it, one year PTI. And because I was slacking, right, because I was supposed to get checked in, because I was slacking, I had probation. Mm -hmm. And it just finished, like, not too long ago. But that's all because of the fact that I was being irresponsible. I was being, I wasn't, I wasn't taking control of my life and I was blaming my, my struggles on others. Mm -hmm. So, um, I can, I like, I am, in complete support of the volunteer program and like uh the young new yorkers because of the fact that maybe if i joined that that could that could change my life or maybe somebody like me uh it, it, it is there and wants to change their life before they get something wrong okay. now i have a record but i want to say that as a full disclosure because i want everybody to know that you can still do you your things what you want to do I ain't never got caught doing shit. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, listen, listen, I feel like the worst. I feel like uh, we should always talk about like pro- our problems and our struggles openly. And just like, matured. That's why I stopped doing dumb stuff. Yeah, same. Yeah, and it's like I just I ain't never got caught doing shit. But you can you can show others from your own mistakes and that's what I want people to do. You may not you never got caught and some people might be smart and never get caught. But I have. Yeah. And you have, but yeah. you got away with it. Oh, in a, sen- in a sense. In a sense, we got away yeah. with it. I and mean, I think we were... I don't even think we were 16 yet. Yeah. I want to say we were like 15. Yeah, like, so, so... So, just, you know, hold out there, guys. Not just like... Just because you may see it as the end is not the end. Well, that's what we always tell a lot of the, our students, too, is that... Um, these things don't define you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just, never as bad as your worst mistake. Exactly, because you know, just because, like you said, just because you committed petty theft or whatever, or these, you know, some of our students, whatever they commit, that doesn't, that doesn't say who you are going to mm-hmm. be in a in a couple months or six yeah. months or whatever. You know, bro, I was an idiot. I was a legitimate idiot. No one can take that away from me. I was like, bro, I was, I was trying too hard to be too cool, and it was fucked up. But, you know, even though I was the, that idiot, t- 
to the idiots out there, you can stop being an idiot. Like you, you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to on. go through some shit in order to stop. Neither. Exactly. You know I mean? Exactly. You 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 can like, realize like, like it. Me. Like, realize it before. Just, that's it. Realize it before it's too late. Mm. And even when it's too late, you better recognize that that is like when you see when you think it's too late. That's basically your second chance right there. That's your chance to change. Mm-hmm. From that point, you already did the the fucked up thing, quote unquote. Now, from that point, what are you going to do about it? How yeah. are you going to change your life? And how are you going to be a positive influence on society? Yeah. And that's what I did. I can't... I'm a mediocre artist, right? Mediocre. Uh, semi-satisfactory graphic designer. But I can talk my motherfucking ass off. So, I lear- use my passions to get out of the struggle and to stop feeling bad for myself. Mm-hmm. Part of... Uh, people part of people committing and like do getting into those bad situations is feeling bad for yourself and woe is me and it's like i want people to realize that woe that you don't need to feel that bad for you and everything and anything can be overcome Mm -hmm. so i really like that program and i really appreciate it man it's a great program um would you consider yourself successful um, I don't know what is success, right? That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's relative, that's, bro. Yeah, it's it's relative. I've you know I've heard people answer this question and ask this question, and I mean, I guess if you ask someone, if you ask an outsider, they'd say no, right? Because you're not making a certain amount or yeah. whatever, or you're not doing this or that. So, I mean, I guess I I consider it successful because I I would I don't know I don't know if I can answer that. All I know is that my art is in is painted on walls in a bunch of cities in a few cities in New Jersey which we love by the way thank you and uh, you know I get opportunities to show it and I continue to get more opportunities I you know I meet people like you yeah, guys that's not something that's gonna get yeah. taken down easily neither, yeah. you know what I mean and like that's, that's, that's the dope part yeah so I guess I mean you know it's all it's all relative and it's all subjective or whatever so I don't really know if I would say I'm quite successful yet but I feel like I'm working towards what I guess people would consider successful. Okay. I saw a couple of Picasso paintings that you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that one of your favorite artists? Um, I, I wouldn't say... F- yeah, I mean, I, I like him. I like his work. He's great. Uh, you know, some of his work is beautiful, and it touches... You know, he combines political things in his work, too. Oh, like, I didn't know that. Yeah, one of his most famous paintings is called Guernica. Uh, it's, it's a massive painting, and it's about... In, um, before the before World War Two fully started, like in thirty nine or whatever, in thirty six the Spanish Civil War was going on, and the government of the dictator, the general, whatever Franco, they bomb. You know, he was bombing his own citizens, and he bombed. I think it was a city or a town called Guernica. I believe Picasso was living there, and it's one of his best paintings, uh, one of his most well known too. So nice. I definitely look to him as. Um, you know, an influence, you know, he, there's so many quotes you can read about Picasso too, that he said all, all the great things he said about art. And if you look at him too, his style evolved in his life, you know, he had phases yeah. and he also, you know, he started out, uh, you know, painting like portraits and then Did he transition. go mad as an older guy or was it becoming more like going back to basics? I think he liked to change the rules. I think a quote that's attributed to him 
and I don't know the I'm paraphrasing here was basically like uh, learn the rules and then break them. Okay. That's where he got the cubist idea. You know, yeah. he had already established himself and gone to you know uh, school for it and could paint you know you know standard portraits. And you know, to him, I guess that bored him or whatever. He wanted yeah. to do something new, and that's where he started doing the cubist stuff. So I think. You know, I think he always was just expanding, uh, pushing the boundaries or, you know, expanding what he thought art or whatever his creativity was. But, yeah, definitely influenced by Picasso. But I'm influenced by all, all sorts of artwork. Nice. You know, everything from, uh, you know, works from, like, 14th and 15th century, you yeah. know, that you see in a church in Europe to, you know, when you walk along the street and you see, right. you know, throw-ups or whatever. Would you consider yourself a rule-breaker in art? Uh, I don't know if I, I break too many rules. I don't know if I necessarily learned all the rules and I uh, could paint, like, super realistic portraits and then yeah. started doing my own style. Uh, I guess I make my own rules as I go along. That's you know? cool. That's cool. I guess. So you're an innovator. Yeah, I guess I try to innovate. I mean, I guess any good art artwork, no yeah, matter yeah. what they're doing, mm-hmm. they're innovating on yeah. something. You know, I kind of take ideas from artists... You know, like when I first started painting, I was obviously influenced by artists like uh, Shepard Ferry and uh, oh, nice. uh, Black Lerat, which is, he's a famous uh, French stencil artist, and I'm Banksy. Learning. Oh, that's my guy yeah, right there. You know, that's Banksy. my favorite. So, like, I would, I would, you know, take aspects of what they do and and try to put my own voice to it. Now, speaking of um, influence, um, have you or will you ever collab with an artist, like, on a... Like with another artist and like another painter, like on a, a mural or maybe just a painting or something. Is that something like that you would want to do or something? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, definitely yeah. would want to collaborate. I'm trying to think if I've ever done a collaboration on a canvas or anything with anyone. I don't think I have. But yeah, I'm, I'm always looking to do something like that. There's a lot of artists in the area. I know I went to school with a lot of really talented artists. So I'm always looking to do stuff like that. Nice, man. Yeah. Um... So, you know how you do, like, paintings of other, like, of icons of, like, you know, I'm going to say, like, international icons, because Che Guevara, Gandhi, they're more, like, worldwide. Yeah. Well, when it comes to, like, Americana icons that you do, would you ever consider doing, because I know you do a lot of the, like, classic ones, right? Mm -hmm. Muhammad Ali, Marilyn Monroe, Amy Winehouse. Would you ever do, like, modern celebs? Well, I've done Jay-Z. I did Chappelle. Chappelle, like yeah. Jay-Z, Jay-Z, Chappelle, they're, like... They're, like, they're modern... Like modern, I, modern but, le- living legends. Yeah. So I don't say they don't they don't count. So you mean, like, someone who's... I guess I do I do Kendrick. Does that count? Okay, yes, that does I mean, count. I mean, I've been listening to his new album a lot, so I, I've been thinking of doing a Kendrick. Mm-hmm. Um trying to think of other people i could do i wouldn't i'm not opposed to it you know i always yeah. hear i always see people i want to paint and people give me certain ideas you know there's some people i just wouldn't paint like i wouldn't paint any like reality star or something oh, yeah, like that. Of course. please or, don't or like um i wouldn't do that but yeah i would definitely paint someone that's like in contemporary pop culture yeah, yeah for right. sure especially when they're making waves like especially like or in the same tune as you like towards mm-hmm. activism and stuff so it'd, it'd be kind of cool going towards modern contemporary and it, 
I mean, it wouldn't have to be. Like, if someone wanted a painting of someone and I yeah. had no opposition to that person or the subject, I'd do it. But, like, yeah, most of the time it comes from things that I consume. Yeah. So, like, that's why I use Kendrick as an example because I listen to his music. Nice. So, I would paint him as, you know, as a subject. Who do you listen to? Right now, I've been listening to really, like, two or three albums right. a lot in my studio. I've been listening to Damn... I've been listening. Which is a fire, fire album. Yeah, I can. I know. I've I've read reviews of it, and people say there's like four good songs on it. But I've no, listened, I listened to the whole thing through. Seriously, it's a great. It's album. It's a great album. I mean, uh, artistically, um, uh, the message he's putting the whole thing. You know, he's like a true the artist. Cohesiveness. Of yeah, the cohesiveness yeah. of the whole message. But uh, there's a artist named Leon Bridges. He came out with an album about a year or two ago. It's sort of like uh, mixes like Motown. And like doo wop and like rock and roll and like, uh, like I think he I, I think it's called Coming Home is called the album is called. I think your aunt told me to listen to him. Yeah, he's oh, really yeah, yeah Leon Bridges. He's good, man. He's it's like real soulful. He's got a great voice and it, like, you know it's it's rock and roll sort of so like it's good. Okay. And cool. then I've been listening to I listened to this guy a lot. His name yeah, she did. His his aunt, my cousin. Uh, yeah, she's good. Uh, he's good. Leon Bridges is good. And then there's a artist. Uh, from England, actually. He's been around since, I don't know, maybe the 70s or 80s. His name's Billy Bragg. And he's a, uh, I guess you would call him a folk singer, but it's more like rock and roll. But yeah. he sings about, like, um, you know, social things, political things, yeah. and stuff like that. Those have been three of, like, the artists on rotation. But nice. I listen to everything from jazz music to what we call punk rock yeah. to hip-hop. You know, even stuff like you know, don't shouldn't necessarily even be relating to. So, like, you know, like, uh, I wouldn't call it gangster rap, but, like, you know, even, like, Dr. Dre or something. Yeah, like, bro, or Snoop. You know, like, a kid a kid from the suburbs listening to... We live in the internet age, yeah, bro. So there's okay. no such... There's yeah. no defining line of what you can... Yeah, no, I don't agree with that. I'm just saying, like, yeah. you know, but... And everything, rock and roll, you know, like, all that stuff. Punk rock, all that stuff. Oh, nice, man. Um, so... That's pretty cool. So, have you ever heard of System of a Down? Yes. Because political rock. Yeah, that yeah. is my guys right there. Like, bro. Yeah, they're good, man. Yeah, I remember listening to that uh, Toxicity and then the one after that a lot. Oh, nice. Um, did Hoboken ever change your outlook on certain things? Like, grow? did you grow up in Hoboken? No, no. I grew up in a town called Wyckoff. It's in Bergen County, which is about... 15 miles from here. Okay, so uh, how but, did that change your outlook? Well, I guess I would say this. Even though we, I grew up in a a predominantly white town, you mm-hmm. know, like, um, like for instance, there was like four black kids in my high school yeah. and like a, a few Asians and then mostly it was like European white kids, right? But I'd say that the benefit was, well, A, my dad grew up in Hoboken and North Bergen, He's a, I'm a first generation Italian immigrant on his side. So he, oh, he was nice. born in Italy. He moved here. He came to America when he was like first Canada, then the United States. So when he was really young, but I have a, we're the, besides my aunt and cousins in California on my dad's side, we're the only ones in America. Everyone's in Montreal uh, area or Italy still. Nice. So anyway, his, his perspective on life, my, my other, my mom's father his perspective because he grew up in patterson new jersey and you know he grew up not like wealthy or anything and made yeah, something of himself. Patterson, bro. patterson in like the 20s too so like and then like the depression era and so i'd say that 
even though I grew up in a suburb, when we grew up in New Jersey, you see everything. You come mm-hmm. to New York City, the other like other ways of life and other things aren't far away, right? Yeah. Like for instance, where we live, you drove five minutes down the road and you were in Patterson. So like you saw the way other Crazy. things were. Mm-hmm. You didn't think like, oh, everyone lives like this. No, you knew. And I played sports too, so I would yeah. travel a lot. So like we would go play Kearney, which, uh, and we would go play in Newark in Ironbound. We'd go play West Orange. Nice. So even as a young kid, your eyes open too, you know, we're very we're really fortunate yeah. to the way we grew up and everything like so that. So your parents taught you like that humbleness, bro. Cause you seem really humble, bro. Like I really appreciate your kindness. I would, I guess, I would say, uh, yeah, they definitely taught us to be humble, to you know, have our be very respectful, have your manners, and then like I said, knowing uh, the family history, mm-hmm. and like my dad would instill hard work in us. And, yeah. You know, he, I would always laugh because he would say to us like, you know, like when I was your age, I had two pairs two short two shirts and like a couple pairs of pants and that was it you know like we were happy to have food on the table and a roof over our head that this is him he was saying shout out to pop yeah Yeah. so like i think they instilled that in us whether they knew it or not i don't know if they did it consciously i I don't know but they definitely instilled that in me and my brother no they probably did that consciously nobody (laughs) likes a brat yeah (laughs) nobody likes a brat do you have any kids no i don't have any kids i have a girlfriend we're not married yet but uh Probably soon in the next couple of years. Oh, hey. And then kids, I don't know. We'll see when, when she wants when to the have, yeah, When the time I comes. When the time comes. Just toss it on her. How old are you? I'm 31. Oh, man. You don't need no kids right now. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Listen, when you have a kid, let me know. That's when I, my age to have a kid, bro. Um, Damn. Okay, I got a couple. I got a couple, last couple questions for you. Um. As a white guy, this is one, this is a little little one, a little heavy one. Do you get any clap back for drawing? Because you do a lot of black uh, icons. Yeah. Now there's nothing wrong with that. I'm in no. full support. Yeah. But do you get any clap back? I wouldn't have got. I don't say I got any negative clap back, but I've done a couple shows where. Hmm? Cool. No. I, I've done a couple shows where people ask me why, but not in like. I mean, I can't speak for them, but it didn't seem like in an aggressive, like, why are you painting Malcolm X? Mm-hmm. I think they were just more curious, like, oh, well, you know, like, why are you painting Malcolm X? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, probably like, how do you even know about that? Or like, not how you even know about it, but to maybe to that degree. Yeah. So I don't think I've really ever gotten negative. It's more like curiosity. Yeah. You know, so like, it's like, oh, so, so that's cool. So they were like more inclusive. Yeah. about you doing it. Yeah, like some of the first like real uh, shows I did were with a, a really cool dude, uh, John Fred Hurtado, Hurt John, on social media. And they were in Elizabeth, New Jersey, at, um, what's that? There's that well-known club. They have a lot of hip-hop shows there. And like, uh, there was like, hot, we had like Hot 97 DJs. I can't remember what the club was called, but he did a couple, we did a couple shows there. And, you know. Bliss? What? Was it Bliss? I think one of them was Bliss, but then the other one was, like, right on North Broad Street, like, right in the middle of Elizabeth. There's always... Hot 97 DJs are always playing there. They always talk about it. I can't remember what it's called. DJ Camillo's always there. I forgot where is it at, though. Me either. Don't go clubbing that much for my taste. No, I don't don't go clubbing either, but he was doing these art shows, and we actually met up... He, like, hit me up through Instagram. He saw my work, but that's where, like, the first happened. People would, you know, they'd be like, oh, did you paint this? Mm -hmm. And, like, 
you know, like, I, that's why I always say it's funny. It's like, I was one of the only, like, you know, white people in the building. You yeah. know, it was mostly uh, African-American or yeah. Latino people. And, like, there was no, like, animosity or, like, anger towards me. It was yeah, that's pretty full awesome inclusivity. Role. And, like, I always respected that and appreciated it because, you know, they could, some people could have easily been, you know, negative towards me, but that, I never experienced that. It's just crazy to me how, like, we're, like, in 2017 and we still have to bring up race and I'm not saying that's your issue our issues nobody's but it's like it's just as crazy to me that we thought we'd be beyond that yeah well like, obviously we're not we're not November taught us that we're oh, not beyond I know her. I know <laughs> it's just like you know when it, when things like that like I always want to ask questions like that cause like you know you have to right mm-hmm. cause it's like you know uh, you never know how if people uh like you never know if people paint you as a villain or as the hero of your own story mm-hmm. right so like so i love the fact that you're getting positive uh reaction from what you're doing but um when it comes to like all of these things people find a lot of hate and people people try to uh, reach they try to reach for anything yeah and they I've, tr- had, I've had some people that i went to high school with or mm-hmm. like were even like not like close friends, but like, yeah. and I got, I wouldn't say negative, but like they would say things like, oh, you only paint, like you only that, paint yeah. black people. Yeah. And, and it's funny too. And one time someone said that to me, so I even actually went into like my inventory and I, mm. I actually counted because yeah. I was like, I don't think I only, and it was funny because I went back at the person. I was like, well, actually it, it, it was almost like 50, 50. Okay. Dope. Like. But it, it not like that even matters. I don't consciously like say yeah, like, exactly. Oh yeah, know, one for one. one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One, check the it, it was funny how you know someone that I you know had known in high school and stuff said something like that. Or like I had one kid say to me like, "Oh well, you know you're pro black." So, and I was you know I was just like it just struck me as odd because Seriously. I don't paint Malcolm X or Medgar Evers or Andy Warhol because I'm pro anything. You know, yeah, it's like, just how you find. You know what I see it as like the. What's what's very nerving or unnerving about uh, America is that they see these guys as black figures. I'm okay, Malcolm X, uh, you know, uh, John Carver. I just threw a name out here. Yeah. Um, but it's crazy how they're called black icons, uh, but never American icons or black American yeah, because icons. because they fall for injustice and injustice can happen to anybody. Right? Yeah. But they're never like, but they never get called American icons. They're always black icons or black American icons, never American icons. And I feel like we're getting away from that more and more. And I think we need to because I think what people need to understand is that, like you're saying, Malcolm X isn't a black icon or a black American historical mm-hmm. figure. He's an American historical mm-hmm. figure. Martin That's Luther King is an American historical that figure. That little right? sub, uh, little sub, like, it's like you're American, but then, like, what kind of American are you? Yeah. Are you yeah. Italian American? Are you exactly. Dominican American? Like, We're no, always bro, just, segregated. Yeah, like, bro. It, always, bro, subdivide. And nationality like, doesn't always necessarily bother me because, like, most, most people uh, voluntarily came here from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Obviously. You know, we don't need to get into the history of it, but some yeah. didn't. But I think nationality doesn't bother me. It's when we get into, like, the race and the color. Yeah. It's like Kendrick said, right? Don't call me black no more. That's just a color. That yeah. ain't facts no more. That's, that's I think that's the line. My boy. So it's like... Preach. So it's like... I always thought about that. Like, when people would call me white, it's like, that, that doesn't define who I am. No, I exactly. always felt like people were saying, you know, because... You know, like, oh, you're white. Like, how somehow, like, you know, my great-grandfather was a slave owner or something like that. I always think of that. I think 
I don't know if this happens in other countries. You know, we don't really know. We don't live there. But in America, it seems like they want to, you know, put it, race is something that's put upon people, right? Yeah. It you really know, is. Like, I mean, black people aren't black. They're most likely African-American. And then, and then yeah. so many different countries yeah, yeah. within that. Within that. Yeah. Well, look at us, right? We're cousins. He's darker than I am. Sometimes he gets considered black. Mm-hmm. And I get considered, well, not white, but like Arabic. Yeah, like yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So it's like we get painted our picture all the time, but we're still the same blood. Yeah. I'm just light skinned and he's dark skinned. Yeah, you're still the same nationality. Yeah. Exactly. Um, in DR and well, in America, uh, there's a big color issue, right? In DR, that's uh, we 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 kind of we could talk about uh color more easier because it's not a race issue with us. So it's like. Oh, like, they'll be like, oh, my little black son, my little white daughter. And it's more of an, an, on an affectionate term. And it's like, because, and because the history is not as dark as in America, we could do that without offending people. Yeah. Which is, which is crazy how over here it's so, everyone's on def, on defense when it comes to it. Yeah. So it's people like, take offense. In some places people take offense and then in some ways, you know, as a way to like demean someone. Yeah. You know? Wow. So, we actually had this question for you before we even knew that you were doing, were like an activist. And is do you have a message for the youth? And it's like, it's it's crazy to me that you yeah. are an activist. And it's crazy because that was one of the last questions that we put in and then we filled in a whole bunch of questions before we got to that one. Seriously. Uh, I guess like we were saying is like don't you know like you're not defined by the the mistake the whatever the decisions that you make when you're young um, you can change what you're doing you know like from the time I was a little kid until I was in high school I played sports I didn't really even do art you know I was mm-hmm. more what you would call a jock I guess right oh word like I mean I wasn't like you know a bro meathead but I was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was consi- you know I played three sports year round so like you can always reinvent yourself you can always become something else you know there's you there's never a time where you can't learn something new I know they have that old adage where you can't teach an old dog new tricks but bullshit. I think you, yeah it's bullshit you can always learn something new right mm-hmm. like my dad's in his 60s and you know he took up cycling in the last I don't know 5 to 8 years his his cousin who he's very close with was doing it and he just took it up and now like he really loves doing it and you can redo things like he used to play accordion when he was very young yeah. he stopped for a lot of his life and then he took it up again as yeah. a hobby you know what's funny uh, Domi- uh Dominicans have merengue and mer- there's a form of merengue that uses the accordion maybe oh, he really? can play yeah. maybe he can maybe. play come maybe. on, maybe. on. Yeah. Yeah. we can show on. him the notes see if we can match it <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh. so I guess like you know for young people it's like you know, like you were saying about uh, being influenced, you mm-hmm. know, like, don't don't think you have to be a certain way or do something or whatever for someone else or even, you know, for society at large, you know, like, yeah. you know, if, if you have a support system or if you have a family, like, those are the important things and there's, you know, more important things than just, like, being cool or doing something like that. Find something you love, try to focus on it and realize that that may not be the thing that you do for your entire life. It maybe it is, right? There's some people that they pick up something and that's what, that's they, do. what they do. And that's what they do and good mm-hmm. for them. But just because, you know, you're not doing that doesn't mean you're like a failure or something. You can always reinvent yourself and find something you love. The only time is too late is when you're dead. Exactly. Seriously. No, man. it's true. It really is. Seriously. There's a there's a really great book. <coughs> I don't know the author, 
but um, my brother's wife, my sister-in-law, gave it to my dad for Christmas, and it's called Younger Every Year. And it was about a guy who was retired, and um, I guess he was in his 60s. And I guess he, he didn't, I don't know if he had a hobby, but it was basically like he picked something up in his retirement to keep himself young. It was yeah. basically like the, I don't know about the book, but that's like the gist yeah. of it. That's what you're supposed to do. You keep yeah. yourself productive and you will always feel young. Young, yeah. young. I feel like youngness is a feeling. Youth yeah. is a feeling. It's a mental state, yeah. right? Because you can call yourself old. You're technically getting older all of your life. Yeah. So it's like youth is a feeling that you hold on the inside. Yeah. So, um, you know, before we finish off, right? Before we finish off, I know we asked you all these questions. Right, we basically give you a small interrogation. <laughs> um, how how are these games? Have you been paying attention to the score? Yeah, they're, they're, they're atrocious. Polished, we predicted that the Warriors were gonna sweep, and it looks like they are not. I was with. I was on the before the series started. I wasn't, but then yeah. when it got when they won Game Three, I was like, "Well, it's over, so. bro. It's over." I thought it but, was over, uh, man. But I guess they they showed a little bit of heart. I don't know. I said they were gonna split this one. So my bet is right. My bet, I bet for game six, and I think yeah, that's where it's gonna be. What's the score? My vision's terrible. It's like uh, it was like eighty three, one hundred three, mm-hmm, something like that. Right, like twenty two points, nineteen points, or something. Yeah, it's like on that. commercial. It's on well, commercial. Well, Jr. Smith thinks that the Cavs are gonna win. <laughs> well, well yeah, they actually, a lot of things. they actually <laughs> might have a point today. Oh, um, that's actually. Kind of close. Yeah. Oh shit. Third quarter. Ninety-one. One hundred four. Oh, oh, it's in the third quarter. Damn. Yeah. I thought that was the fourth. We still got time, guys. We still got time. So yeah. So I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Anything is possible. And like game three, we just saw the Warriors come back from fifteen, like on the verge of losing yeah. the win. That third quarter was sad for them. Last yeah. last third quarter was really. If really they, sad. I mean, the, the Warriors are most likely going to win this title. Oh, if yeah. they win. They were talk- I was reading an article today. Yeah. Um, one of the dudes who writes about the Cavs, they, they were talking to executives and former players and like GMs, and they were like, what do other teams and even the Cavs have to do to catch the Warriors? And they were saying, like, I don't know what you can do. At this point, Because basically, I mean, look, you took, like, they keep saying it. You took a team that won 73 games. I know they and didn't win the title. And then added freak. KD. Yeah. You have, you have two. They were talking about the other day in one of the games. You have two league MVPs in their prime. Under 30. Under thirty on the same team, so like even if they lost some of the complimentary guys like, like Iguodala players, yep. or like yeah. someone like that, it would hurt them. Yeah. But you, if you kept like Clay, yeah. KD, Curry, Draymond, uh, Draymond mm-hmm. and like I mean, and like some of the other guys, I mean, you still have a phenomenal team. Even if you take away Clay Thompson, who hasn't been doing that much for the playoffs. And you that's still the thing. have, have too many team. offensive weapons, bro. You I mean, LeBron was even saying it. He was saying they got too much firepower. They're a juggernaut. Listen, LeBron can't complain. LeBron can't complain. LeBron has his way. He is the general manager of, of his any team. team. You think he's going to leave? Any team. Nigga. They keep talking about that. You think he's going to leave? The Cavs? Yeah. That'd be so fucked up. I no, know. why not? That'd be One, one, you were making all this come to... One, the city hated you when you left. Right to do it again, you're a fucking dick. Why not? You're a dick. They won. No, this time Two. he gave him a title. Yeah, like the hell? <laughs> so fucked up. But yes, you're right. Both of y'all right. But see, here's the thing, right? He was giving shit to KD for it, right? So you're gonna tell me now you're gonna go to another super team to get another ring just because you can't? Just because you're managing your team like shit? 
It's all speculation. I just I'm just saying I was watching like one of the ESPN shows and they were talking about like man, I could see him in LA, man. That that's what I heard. I they were talking him about him, him Paul George. Oh dear God. Or and and like I don't know, they were just talking about like scenarios. Obviously it's speculation. Yeah. No one knows except for LeBron and his inner circle. But they were just talking about the things that could happen. Bro, I'm I agree with you though. If he left Cleveland again, it's so fucked that's up, fucked. bro. That's, that's so fucked, fucked up, that's fucked bro. Up. You don't go back to to your hometown team just to leave them nah, again, man, bro. It's like going back to your first love. You give a little, give a kid. You feel <laughs> what I'm saying? But you nice know, it didn't, work, it, didn't, it didn't really work out, you know. But you have this child. This little, remember me, you know, this little me. Oh my god, bro, that's a deadbeat dad. That's basically here. I left you this nice little golden nice, championship. Nice little now remembrance, I'm, you know. Now I'm gonna be back in my. I mean, Paul Pierce keeps talking about how uh, KD is now the best player in the league. Oh, he, over from LeBron. Oh, that's hard. That's, a, that's, that's hard. A, That's an interesting conversation. I don't think KD is the best player. No. I think right now maybe he's no. He's, he's in the he's, best team. I think he's yeah, collectively. Honestly, they're the best team collectively. He has to do less. Like you like, put LeBron on there. Put LeBron the, is the best. No, you put LeBron down. in there. That's that what I mean, look, we saw when he was on a team that didn't. When he was on the Thunder, they were really, really good. Yeah. But him and uh, Russ had to carry the team, and they couldn't get him seriously. There, so. That team, the Warriors, is the best collective, like the best collect amount of collective players, like the best team that you could ever build. Yeah, and right. now we will see, like with guys coming to the NBA, who's gonna you know bring their Lonzo Ball. Bro, I'm kind of curious. I didn't watch college. Is he really yeah. that good? I don't watch. I college. saw I some of his highlights. He's messy. he's that good. I don't he's like that college. good, bro. He, he he. I think it was NCAA that he played for. He brought that UC, team back. UCLA. UCLA. Yeah. Sorry, I said NCAA. Yeah. <laughs> uh, UCLA. And um, but he brought that team back from the play. Like, dude, they were struggling in the playoffs and brought him back. Dude is a he is a good. I think he's a point guard. So, yeah, point yeah. guard. So yeah. I think he's. He I want the Lakers to, to get I just him. don't think well, he wants to play for the Lakers. I don't think he he's the next LeBron. The I don't think he's the next LeBron. No, but, but, but he's the point guard. Well, no one could be LeBron because LeBron. LeBron's yeah. a tight end that plays basketball. Exactly. Oh, my God, bro. Yo, he's I'm going to dap you for that because I didn't make that up, but... I said the same shit yesterday, bro. Seriously, bro. He's terrifying. He's the most terrifying. Like, he is an anomaly when it comes to sports. Yeah, it's crazy. Would you ever do a painting of him? That is the goat. Somebody asked me to. That's Probably the goat, do. man. Yeah. Ooh, I hear that. I'm just saying, you know, send us a message when you see it, because I got to see that. That's going to be controversial. You should put something, him against Jordan. Oh, man. Right? You see, Lonzo Ball's dad said that if Jordan and him play one-on-one, Jordan yeah. will get two points. Oh, <laughs> fuck it. I, 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 I like the way, his, I like his confidence in his kids, but Me his, too. the confidence in himself, he needs to just bring it. I like his confidence in kids, too, because like, I, see, I see people trashing like the way he is, and I say this, right? Anytime you heard people talk about... African American fathers in the community. What's the first thing they say? They're, they're right? not there. They're not, they're not, they're not there they're for not their supportive. kids, and they're not supportive. My dad is supportive. Right when when they talk about like the problems in the, the black community, quote mm-hmm. unquote, they say yeah. there's not enough dads. Mm-hmm. And now here's a father who loves who's, his who loves his kids, who's involved, who only wants the best, and who's teaching them to take to control, control of their, their own brand, of their own brand, and they're painting them. People are going to use them. Oh, of course, because everyone, none, none of these. Sorry to cut you off, but none right. of these um athletes have any stock in. Any of the companies no. except for um, 
Curry. He's the only. He's. He, I think he's like one of the first. That's because Under that. Armour is a cheap shoe brand. <laughs> yeah. that, that's to, what it was. That's what it, they, in order to attract him, they were like, "Yo, we'll give you this percentage yeah. and money." And that's why I agree. I like. I like the. Fa- I mean, the talk is whatever. Everybody yeah, talks. Exactly. It's like mm-hmm. what, you know, he can yeah. say whatever he wants. But I like. I I definitely see that, and that's. I, I really love like the confidence that. in his. Yeah. In his, really, in his kid. Yeah. Yeah. That's just awesome. You know why? Because I have an Afro Latino dad who does not support. Sometimes, well, I, honestly, my father's never came to. My father never maybe came, came to maybe two, maybe two. If he came to two baseball games, I was alive. Yeah, they show love unconditionally. You guys still play baseball? No, not me. Uh, but they love unconditionally. But you know, I play here recreationally. Yeah, yeah I gotta get yeah. back in shape. I want to play softball. Yeah, me too. My my dad, all of our cousins are in a some in a summer league. Do they play at Mary Benson Park in Jersey City? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because when I was I did two murals there and I was playing there. Was, there was a, I feel like it was they were all Dominican. A whole bunch of Dominican yeah. men, bro. Yeah, all the time. It was time. funny. Cause, I mean, I don't was, understand uh, everything that's, they're saying. But that's they were the park across the, the street from the projects, right? No, it's across the street from an elementary school. It's downtown, like, right where the overpass is. Overpass, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gateway. Uh, Gateway, that's what they call yeah, it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the, the project. Name, Lafayette. Yeah. yeah, Lafayette, uh-huh. Yeah, it's, um... Is it, they li- they a housing li- project. They live. Yeah, um... Yeah, what's it called? There's a... There's Michael Conti. PS5 is right there. No, mm-hmm. Booker T Housing Projects. Booker T, it is Booker yeah, T. Yeah, right oh, across the street. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it, over time, it's changing now. A lot of things... Like, before... They lit um garbage... Oh, cans on fire last Sunday. What we were playing, yeah. In Booker T? Yeah. Oh, dear God. I was there. I was there. Listen, <laughs> I'm trying to paint Jersey City as a positive picture. Don't okay. give people these negative comments. Hey, that's listen. like that's like internal stuff. That's like internal house. You come at your boy personally for that, right? You don't say that to the world, right? So they can see us and call us savages. No. Every every big city is complex. Is gonna have it's that oh, good and bad and its problems. So. Seriously, yeah. we gotta you gotta take take it all in. I love it for what it is, yeah. man. You know how many immigrants came over here and thought that the streets really paved the gold came out like that. It was like, oh, hold up, we got this back home. Seriously. <laughs> Um, so it's getting pretty late. We should start getting out of here. Uh, do you have a plug by any chance? Anything you want, anything you want to plug up, in? Yeah, anything you want. Oh, to yeah. Um, tomorrow at Riverview Park, Jersey City. Uh, on the date, uh, what is the date tomorrow? The 10th, June 10th, tomorrow from yes, yes, 12, 12 noon to 8 p.m. At uh, Riverview Park is on Palisade Avenue in Bowers. Okay. There's going to be the closing reception of the Riverview Jazz Festival, and I'm going to be live painting with some other artists there. And I think there's like okay. uh, going to be food vendors and like artist oh, vendors. Cool. We should stop by there. Oh, I'll definitely. I think I'm definitely going to do that. Yeah, we're yeah. going to go see. And then uh, as soon as you said food vendors, <laughs> yeah, yeah, have, yeah, I'm pretty sure there is. I'm pretty sure there's going to be some <coughs> food trucks. And then on Sunday, June 11th, in uh, uh, downtown Hoboken on between 8th and 14th Street is the Hoboken Arts and Music Festival. I'm awesome. going to have a booth set up there too. So those are the two things coming up. I'm in there. And that's it, yeah. And uh, go to youngnewyorkers.org and uh, yeah. All right, guys. Well, have a good night. Yeah, Let's thank see you for listening. Let's see if these Warriors finish off with the sweep perfect record. Thanks for having me, guys. No problem. Thank you for coming, man. Yeah. Have a good night, guys. Good night, guys.